Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we're going to read chapters 7 through 8, and in the previous episode, we started looking at now Percy and Annabeth's perspective on the other side, where they have fallen into Tartarus. And essentially, it is what exactly you would imagine Tartarus to be. It is an absolute, absolute torture hole. And Annabeth and Percy are barely making it out alive, and... Slowly but surely, Tartarus is also starting to kill them. So, in the last episode, we ended off with Annabeth having a, a, an idea that would hopefully, hopefully save them from their essential fall. So, hopefully, we'll see how this idea works, and hopefully, it works well. So, we're going to read chapter 7 through 8, and then do shoutouts and questions. Uh, let's get to it. Chapter 7, Annabeth. When they reached the ledge, Annabeth was sure she'd signed their death warrants. The cliff dropped more than 80 feet. At the broad bottom stretched a nightmarish version of the Grand Canyon, a river of fire cutting a path through a jagged obsidian crevice, the glowing red current casting horrible shadows across the cliff faces. Even from the top of the canyon, the heat was intense. The chill of the river Cossetus hadn't left Annabeth's bones. But now her face felt raw and sunburned, Every breath took more effort, as if her chest was filled with styrofoam peanuts. The cuts on her hands bled more rather than less. Annabeth's foot, which had almost been healed, seemed to be re-injuring itself. She'd taken off her makeshift cast, but now she regretted it. Each step made her wince. Assuming they could make it down to the fiery river, which she doubted, her plan seemed certifiably insane. Uh... Percy examined the cliff. He pointed to a tiny fissure running, running diagonally from the edge to the bottom. We could try that ledge there. Might be able to climb down. He didn't, <clears throat> he didn't say they'd be crazy to try. He managed to sound hopeful. Annabeth was grateful for that, but she also worried that she was leading him to his doom. Of course, if they stayed there, they would die anyway. Blisters had already started to form on their arms for exposure to the Tartarus air. The whole environment was about as healthy as a nuclear blast zone. Percy went first. The ledge was barely wide enough to allow a toehold. Their hands clawed for any crack in the glassy rock. Every time Annabeth put pressure on her bad foot, she wanted to yelp. She ripped off the sleeves of her t-shirt and used the cloth to wrap her bloody palms, but her fingers were still slippery and weak. A few steps below her, Percy grunted as he reached for another handhold. So, what is this fire river called? The Phlegathon, she said. You should concentrate on going down. The Phlegathon? He shinnied down along, along the ledge. They made it roughly a third of the way down the cliff. Still high enough, enough uh, up to die if they fell. Sounds like a marathon for hawking spitballs. Please don't make me laugh, she said. Just trying to keep things light. Thanks. She grunted, nearly missing the ledge with her bad foot. I'll have a smile on my face as I plummet to my death. They kept going, one step at a time. Annabeth's eyes stung with sweat. Her arms trembled, but to her amazement, they finally made it to the bottom of the cliff. When she reached the ground, she stumbled. Percy caught her. She was alarmed by how feverish his skin felt. Red boils had erupted on his face, so he looked like a smallpox victim. Her own vision was blurry. Her throat felt blistered, and her stomach was clenched tighter than a fist. We have to hurry, she thought. Just to the river, she told Percy, trying to keep the panic out of her voice. We can do this. 
They staggered over slick glass ledges, around massive boulders, avoiding stalagmites that would have impaled them with any slip of the foot. The tattered claw clothes steamed from the heat of the river, but they kept going until they crumpled to their knees at the banks of the Phlegathon. We have to drink, Edward said. Percy swayed, his eyes half closed. It took him a three count to respond. I drink fire? The Phlegathon flows from Hades' realm down into Tartarus. Annabeth could barely talk. Her throat was closing out from the heat and the acidic air. The river is used to punish the wicked, but also... <sighs> Some legends call it the River of Healing. Some legends? Annabeth swallowed, trying to stay conscious. The Phlegathon keeps the wicked in one piece, so they can endure the torments of the Field of Punishment. I think it might be the underworld equivalent of Ambrosia and Nectar. Percy winced as cinder sprayed from the river, curling around his face. But it's fire. How can we... Like this. Annabeth thrust her hands into the river. Stupid? Yes. But she was convinced they had no choice. If they waited any longer, they would pass out and die. Better to try something foolish and hope it worked. On first contact, the fire wasn't painful. It felt cold, which probably meant it was so hot, it was overloading Annabeth's nerves. Before she could change her mind, she cupped the fiery liquid in her palms and raised it to her mouth. She expected a taste like gasoline. It was so much worse. Once at a restaurant back in San Francisco, she'd made the mistake of tasting a ghost chili pepper that came with a plate of Indian food. After barely nibbling it, she thought her respiratory system was going to implode. Drinking from the Phlegathon was like gulping down a ghost chili smoothie. Her sinuses filled with liquid flame, her mouth felt like it was being deep fried, her eyes shed boiling tears, and every pore on her face popped. She collapsed, gagging and retching, her whole body shaking violently. Annabeth! Percy grabbed her arms and just managed to stop her from rolling into the river. The convulsions passed. She took a ragged breath and managed to sit up. She felt horribly weak and nauseous, but her next breath came more easily. The blisters on her arms were starting to fade. It worked, she croaked. Percy, you got a drink. I... His eyes rolled up in his head, and he slumped against her. Desperately, she cupped more fire in her palm. Ignoring the pain, she dripped the liquid into Percy's mouth. He didn't respond. She tried again, pouring a whole handful down his throat. This time, he spluttered and coughed. Ameth held him as he trembled a magic fire coursing through his system. His fever disappeared, his boils faded. He managed to sit up and smack his lips. Ugh, he said. Spicy, yet disgusting. Abbott laughed weakly. She was so relieved she felt lightheaded. <laughs> yeah, that pretty much sums it up. You saved us. For now, she said. The problem is, we're still in Tartarus. Percy blinked. He looked around as if just coming to terms with well, where they were. Holy Hera. I never thought... Well, I'm not sure what I thought. Maybe that Tartarus was empty space, a pit with no bottom... But this is a real place. Ameth recalled the landscape she'd seen while they fell. A series <clears throat> of plateaus le leading ever downward into the gloom. We haven't seen all of it, she warned. This could be just the first, first tiny part of the abyss. Like the front steps. The welcome mat, Percy muttered. They both gazed up at the blood-colored clouds swirling in the gray haze. <clears throat> no way! <clears throat> Sorry, No way would they have the strength to climb back up that cliff, even if they wanted to. 
Now there are only two choices, downriver or upriver, skirting the banks of the Phlegathon. We'll find a way out, Percy said, the doors of death. Ambit shuddered. She remembered what Percy had said just before they fell into Tartarus. He had made Nico D'Angelo promise to lead the Argo II to Epirus, to the mortal side of the doors of death. We'll see you there, Percy had said. That idea seemed even crazier than drinking fire. How could the two of them wander through Tartarus and find the doors of death? They'd barely been able to stumble a hundred yards in this poisonous place without dying. We have to, Percy said. Not just for us, for everybody we love. The doors have to be closed on both sides, or the monsters will just keep coming through. Gaius' forces will overrun the world. Ameth knew he was right. Still, when she tried to imagine a plan that could succeed, the logistics overwhelmed her. They had no way of locating the doors. They didn't know how much time it would take, or even if time flowed at the same speed in Tartarus. How could they possibly synchronize a meeting with their friends? And Nico had mentioned a legion of Gaia's strongest monsters guarding the doors of death on Tartarus' side. Ambeth and Percy couldn't exactly launch a frontal assault. She decided not to mention any of that. They both knew the odds were bad. Besides, after swimming in the river Cossetus, Ambeth had heard enough whining and moaning to last a lifetime. She promised herself never to complain again. Well, she took a deep breath, grateful at least that her lungs didn't hurt. If we stay close to the river, we'll have a way to heal ourselves. If we go downstream, it happened so fast, Annabeth would have been dead if she'd been on her own. Percy's eyes locked on something behind her. Annabeth spun as a massive dark shape hurled down at her. A snarling monster blob with spindly barbed legs and glinting eyes. She had time to think. Arachne. But she was frozen in terror, her senses smothered by the sickly sweet smell. Then she heard the familiar shink of Percy's ballpoint pen, transforming into a sword. His blade swept over her head in a glowing bronze arc. A horrible wail echoed through the canyon. Amber just stood there, stunned as yellow dust, the remains of Ar- Arachne, rained around her like tree pollen. You okay? Percy scanned the cliffs and boulders, alert for more monsters, but nothing else appeared. The golden dust of the spiders settled on the obsidian rocks. Ambit stared at her boyfriend in amazement. Riptide's celestial bronze blade glowed even brighter in the gloom of Tartarus. As it passed through the thick, hot air, it made a defiant hiss like a riled snake. She... She would have killed me, Ambit stammered. Percy kicked the dust on the rocks, his expression grim and dissatisfied. She died too easily, considering how much torture she put you through. She deserved worse. Annabeth couldn't argue with that, but the hard edge in Percy's voice made her unsettled. She'd never seen someone get so angry or vengeful on her behalf. It almost made her glad Arachne had died quickly. How did you move so fast? Percy shrugged. Gotta watch each other's backs, right? Now you were saying, downstream? Ameth nodded, still in a daze. The yellow dust dissipated on the rocky shore, turning to stream, to steam. At least now they knew monsters could be killed in Tartarus, though. She had no idea how long Arachne would remain dead. Ameth didn't plan on staying long enough to find out. Yeah, downstream, she managed. If the river comes from the upper levels of the underworld, it should flow deeper into Tartarus, so it leads into more dangerous territory. Percy finished, which is probably where the doors are. Lucky us. That's the end of chapter 7. Well, that was definitely... It was short, but it was definitely 
very event pack packing. I think it was bound to happen at some point that Arachne would come out of nowhere and try to kill Annabeth. But luckily, Percy was able to intercept it or and able to kill Arachne. And I think something that I wonder about is when they when the monsters get killed in the real world, and then they spawn again in Tartarus, and they get killed in Tartarus, just like how Arachne just got killed by Percy. Does that mean they spawn again in Tartarus, or are they just gone forever? Let me know what you guys think, or if you guys know the answer to this question. I'd really love to know, because it seems a little bit confusing at uh, at first. Like, where exactly does Arachne go, and where exactly do other monsters go if they ever get slain or killed in Tartarus? Because it's rather more of a torture place than, ra- than a place for them to die, is what I'm thinking, uh, for monsters. So if they're killed, just like Arachne was killed just now, do they just... Are they just gone now? Are they completely just ceased to existence? Let me know what you guys think. But yeah, after this after this break, don't go anywhere. Maybe grab a few snacks. Maybe grab a, some water. Uh, get ready to go through this next step, ne- next chapter. And soon after, we'll go through shoutouts and the questions. So stay tuned. And we're back from the non-existent ads, and now we're going to read chapter 8, Annabeth. They'd only traveled a few hundred yards when Annabeth heard voices. Annabeth plodded along, half in a stupor, trying to form a plan. Since she was a daughter of Athena, plans were supposed to be her specialty, but it was hard to strategize with her stomach growling and her throat backing. Baking. The fiery water of the Phlegathon may have healed her and given her strength, but it didn't do anything for her hunger or thirst. The river wasn't about making you feel good, Annabeth guessed. It just kept you going, so you could experience more excruciating pain. Her head started to droop with exhaustion, then she heard them, female voices having some sort of argument. And she was instantly alert. She whispered, Percy, down! She pulled him behind the nearest boulder, wedging herself so close against the riverbank that her shoes almost touched the river's fire. On the other side, in the narrow path between the river and the cliffs, voices snarled, getting louder as they approached from upstream. Emma tried to steady her breathing. The voices sounded vaguely human, but that meant nothing. She assumed anything in Tartarus was their enemy. She didn't know how the monsters could have failed to spot them already. Besides, monsters could smell demigods, especially powerful ones like Percy, son of Poseidon. Emma doubted that hiding behind a boulder would do any good when the monsters caught their scent. Still, as the monsters got near, their voices didn't change in tone. Their uneven footsteps, scrap, clump, scrap, Clump. Didn't get any faster. Soon, one of them asked in a raspy voice as if she'd been gargling in the phlegathon. Oh my gosh, said another voice. This one sounded much younger and much more human. Like a teenage mortal girl getting exasperated from her with her friends at the mall. For some reason, she sounded familiar to Annabeth. You guys are totally annoying. I told you, it's like three days from here. Percy gripped Annabeth's wrist. He looked at her with alarm, as if he recognized the mall girl's voice, too. There was a chorus of growling and grumbling. The creatures, maybe half a dozen, Annabeth guessed, had paused just on the other side of the boulder, but they still gave no indication that they'd caught the demigod's scent. Annabeth wondered if demigods didn't smell the same in Tartarus, or if the other scents here were just so powerful they masked a demigod's aura. I wonder, said a third voice, gravelly and ancient like the first, if perhaps you do not know the way, young one. Oh, shut your fang holes, Seraphony, said the 
mall girl when's the last time you escaped to the mortal world i was there a couple of years ago i know the way besides i understand what we're facing up there you don't have a clue the earth mother did not make you boss shrieked a fourth voice more hissing scuffling and feral moans like giant alley cats fighting at last the one called seraphine yelled enough the scuffling died down we will follow for now seraphine said but if you do not lead us well if we find you have lied about the summons of gaia i don't lie snapped the mall girl believe me i've got good reason to get into this battle i have some enemies to devour and you'll feast on the blood of heroes just leave one special morsel for me the one named percy jackson Ameth fought down a snarl of her own she forgot her, about her fear she wanted to jump over the boulder and slash the monsters to dust with her knife except she didn't have it anymore Believe me, said the mall girl. Gaia has called us, and we're gonna have so much fun. Before this war is over, myrtles and demigods will tremble at the sound of my name. Kelly! Ameth almost yelped aloud. She glanced at Percy. Even in the red light of the phlegathon, his face seemed waxy. Pusai, she mouthed. Vampires. Percy nodded grimly. She remembered Kelly. Two years ago at Percy's freshman orientation, he and their friend Rachel Dare had been attacked by Impusai disguised as cheerleaders. One of them had been Kelly. Later, the same Impusa had attacked them in Daedalus' workshop, and with that stabbed her in the back and sent her here. To Tartarus. The creatures shuffled off, their voices getting fainter. Ameth crept to the edge of the boulder and risked a glimpse. Sure enough, five women staggered along on mismatched legs. Mechanical bronze on the left, shaggy and cloven hooved on the right. Their hair was made of fire, their skin as white as bone. Most of them wore tattered ancient Greek dresses, except for the one in lead, Kelly, who wore a, who wore a burned and torn blouse with a short pleated skirt, her cheerleader's outfit. Ameth gritted her teeth. She had faced a lot of bad monsters over the years, but she hated Empusai more than most. In addition to their nasty claws and fangs, they had a powerful ability to manipulate the mist. They could change shape and change charm speak and trick mortals into letting down their guard. Men were especially susceptible. The Impusa's favorite tactic was to make a guy fall in love with her, then drink his blood and devour his flesh. Not a great first date. Kelly had almost killed Percy. She had manipulated Annabeth's oldest friend Luke, urging him to commit darker and darker deeds in the name of Kronos. Ameth really wished she still had her dagger. Percy rose. They're heading for the doors of death, he murmured. You know what that means. Ameth didn't want to think about it. But sadly, this squad of flesh-eating horror show women might be the closest thing to good luck they were going to get in Tartarus. Yeah, she said. We need to follow them. And that's the end of chapter eight. Well, this, I think, this entire thing starts going into that, you know, whole circle of actions I guess because usually heroes don't end up in Tartarus Tartarus is like Tartarus is essentially the jail for monsters and usually demigods don't end up in that jail usually they're the ones who send the monsters into that jail so I think it's going to be extremely it's it's definitely going to be very challenging very would probably be an understatement as well but seeing how they're gonna have to survive this entire thing with 
monsters that they've killed that have recognized that can recognize them don't know about the smell but if they see their face and they recognize them then they're yeah i don't what who knows what's gonna happen so we're gonna have to see what is gonna happen with as they venture towards the doors of death whether they're gonna fight kelly or not whether this actually turns into you know percy killing kelly or annabeth killing kelly once again we'll have to see but it's been a very fascinating um that was a very fascinating chapter to say so at least to say so so now let's move on to the shout outs uh i apologize if i don't have your name here or if um i forgot to put your name or say your name shout out your name then do please let me know and i will try my best to get you in the next episode so let's go ahead and start percy jackson and lotr infallible marksman 17 josie elise rose uh chakum c-h-a-k-m uh pineapple jonesy willow eric harris and dylan annika and k-o-t-l-c songs uh, appreciate everybody for the shout outs and now we're gonna do some questions as well so the first question is lost what is my favorite book and uh it's actually the lost hero it's when leo uh piper and jason get introduced and i think that it was definitely one of my more favorite one of the more favorite books that i had um the second one is how would you react if you found camp half-blood Honestly, I think I would feel extremely scared because that me- that probably meant that I'm a demigod. And honestly, the f- sheer f- thought that I might- that I have the potential of getting hunted by monsters is just frightening. So I think I'd probably break down for some time, just trying to get it into my head. And then probably, you know, just- trying to get myself my 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 head together and trying to figure out what to do and then hopefully trying to train to fight those monsters so yeah um what is uh who would i ship the most in out of the everyone um probably i think my most favorite ship it's probably you know everybody's popular one but i probably say i think it's Annabeth and Percy, and the only reason why I'd probably say it's Annabeth and Percy is because the contrast between them is very, it, it's its a lot, honestly, I think with someone, having some, have, with both of their personalities combined together, it's, it's like you would never expect it, it's truly an enemies to lovers trope. It's it's as if, you know, Annabeth didn't really like Percy, or it seemed like that at first. Annabeth didn't like Percy, Annabeth thought that Percy was dumb, and then slowly she started opening up to him, and then they got close. So it's truly like one of those enemies-to-lovers tropes done, done real good. So I think that that will probably be number one, but um, I think uh, I definitely say Hazel and Frank would probably be a good close second because um just the amount of emotional support that frank was able to give hazel during you know her trying to get through this entire thing you know the fact that she's still alive and she's still 13 even though she was she's technically from the 1930s 
is still it's it's a lot to take in and i think that frank helping her throughout the entire process is something that it's honestly admirable to look at and it's probably one of the my most favorite parts about the couple is that they always have each other for support um the third the next question is what are my thoughts on the piper and jason's jason's ship is it like toxic or anything i don't necessarily think it's toxic but i ra- i do rather think it's straight because Piper is under this notion that Jason, she was already dating Jason, and Jason doesn't remember this. It may be that this was the mist that affected Piper. It may not be. I'm not sure. But I think the fact that both of them have such varied memories, and yet they're still trying to make it work, it's it's as if they're going off of the basis that they do believe that they were dating even though one of even though Jason doesn't remember it he's still thinking hey maybe i did date P- piper at some time and i think that that what's that's what makes the relationship extremely strained for the both of them because they're both trying to make it work in the best ways possible but they just don't know how it all started like they don't really know the foundation so they're building this house without even knowing what the foundation is made of and that can really topple the entire house is what i think so I don't th- necessarily think it's toxic. I just rather think it's more strained. And I think both Piper and Jason are making efforts on the relationship to make it work. But it's just taking a toll on both of them. Because they're rather treating it like it's their duty to be each other's boyfriend and girlfriend. And not that they like each other. There's, they are starting to like each other. But it, it probably took a lot longer for them to get to that point. Because of these memories that were you know in piper's head um next one what is my favorite color uh probably yellow green one of those um favorite animal tiger uh favorite food mac and cheese um if i could choose any god's power i'd probably choose a festus the fact that he can you know create any engineer anything is just awesome honestly i would really love to have something like that as a power just being able to create anything um what are my thoughts on the series adaptation on disney plus so i do know that there was some movies created on the percy jackson books i did not watch them but i do know that there were a lot of thoughts on those movies and honestly i think that this adaptation probably has some more expectations on it and i do have hope in it that it will probably do good uh, i looked at the teaser it, it's pretty pretty it's look it's looking pretty awesome so um i can't wait to see it and yeah i think it's gonna be quite the fascinating way to go um least favorite next one is least who's my least favorite main character i honestly don't think that i don't have one because i don't think i have a least fair main character because We've seen all of their perspectives and we've seen why they act, the reason for why they act, what they do, and everything. And I think that half the time it's just, it's just justified. I think that, you know, sometimes it's like when you see Frank, he's just protective of Hazel because he knows how much trauma he's, she's gone through. And Leo, he's just the third, he's just a seventh wheel. He's just there just being, you know, just, just wishing when he's gonna get his turn there's all these kind of tiny nitpicky things 
that make up for the person and why they do the things they do. And I think that that's just what makes you admire each one of them. And I think, <clears throat> sorry, I think that's just what you make that that makes what that just makes you admire them more, or at least that's how I admire them. And so I don't really think I don't I I don't think I really uh, it's I don't think I dislike any of them. I think they're all great in their own perspective. Um, least favorite side character though I do have a f- least favorite and that's Octavian um, yeah I think you can really see the power struggle that Octavian's going for it's failing it sure is failing um, but it was failing I don't know about now anymore I think he's just he's grasping at way too many opportunities to try and get a role of position a role of leadership and it's just for what? What what is a role of leadership gonna do? What are you trying to achieve, right? It's just you know, you just never know with Octavian, just the things he does sometimes is just it just makes you mad. So yeah, I don't like Octavian. But yeah, I really did enjoy this kill question and answer session. If you guys have any more questions, do please let me know. Um, I do, if I haven't answered your question, um, yeah, I do think that uh, I felt that it was a bit uncomfortable for me to answer because I, I just thought it was, you know, I, I, I felt a little uncomfortable to answer it. So I apologize, but, um, yeah, so can please, please, but if you have any other questions, please feel free to ask and I'll try my best to answer them. So I hope you guys have a great rest of the week and until next week, we'll start reading from, the other group's perspective, I believe, I think, I believe it's Leo, uh, a quick teaser. It's from Leo's perspective, so we're going to see how the rest of the group is going and feeling, and whether they're going to make it to Epirus. So, until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom.